hit him to the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And a welcome everyone once again. Here we are. The spoiler room is open. Thank you for venturing down the stairs, pulling up a chair, hitting the splits, and then having your favorite drink with us. Um, don't hurt yourself or pull anything. <laughs> it is the spoiler room and we are starting a new month. And you saw the trigger was pulled last month for a Jean-Claude Van Damme film that was on the list for cannon fodder. So this month it is hot Van Damme month. So it's just hot Van Damme. So we're looking at four <laughs> Van Damme films this month. And the first one is a sci-fi thriller action packed movie called Time Cop from 1994. And with me tonight to talk about uh, this action uh, thriller is none other than the man himself, my right-hand man and friend, Mr. Ian Simmons. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm really excited for Hot Van Damme Month because <laughs> I think all of these are first-time watches. Ooh. Even wow. the big famous one that we're going to talk about, I don't think I've seen all the way through. But really? Later. Yeah. Wow. So this is going to be exciting. I'm yes. I'm really excited about it. But, <laughs> but yes, uh, uh, Time Cop, Mr. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme stars in this film with Ron Silver. And Mr. Ian Simmons is going to be kind enough to give us a synopsis of Time Cop. Uh, well, <laughs> Time Cop it's a little known fact was at one point uh titled time cop the steve jobs story because this film really really hates windows uh there is so much broken glass in this film i don't know i, I think it's some kind of a record but so jean-claude van damme plays uh max i think his name is max walker mm -hmm uh it, it's just listed as walker on imdb it's max, i'm pretty yeah. sure his name was max yeah, yeah. max and, and his uh, lovely woman melissa played by mia sarah they're uh living it up in 1994 they're in love um they're they uh hang out at the mall he's just started a new job at this super secret government agency and uh one night he picks her up at the mall they go back to their place. They have some fuck sacks, which is like, you know, 1990s lovemaking accompanied by saxophone music. Oh, my God. I love that term. That is Thank so you. appropriate. <laughs> and so 90s. You're absolutely right. Sorry. Go ahead. Mm. No, I, I, I wrote that down in my notebook today. I'm like, there's something there. But um, yeah, so they get attacked by a group of mysterious thugs. I, I forgot the, the, the film kind of opens up with uh, this mysterious agency being born. born yeah. um, a guy comes in to talk to a bunch of senators and saying, we're going to need an outrageous amount of money because this famous scientist has just perfected time travel. Um, and Ron Silver, 
playing a deliciously evil villain named Macomb. Uh, he is the senator who finds a way to manipulate this time travel technology, send people back in time to help with his uh, presidential campaign, <laughs> stealing money to buy ads. That's like his big plan. Um, it's so, so 90s. It is so nine, so late 80s, early 90s. Damn corporate and Senator Shills, I tell you. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's what he brings up. You know, it's it's a weird thing because right off the bat, you're you're faced with kind of a plot hole slash plot dilemma that if you answer this question the wrong way, you don't have a movie, which is like the scientist discovers time travel. But it's not like he sat there manufacturing like time travel boxes or anything. He built like one, maybe two facilities. But all of a sudden, the government has to come up with a task force to police the timeways because people might abuse time travel. Like, well, you've got you've got like one suspect, <laughs> just one guy who built it and because it's sensible to use it. But you're thinking let's, too we'll, hard. we'll move past that. Yeah, I know. But Bruce McGill plays Matuzak, who's like the head of this uh, division, the the time enforcement cops or something, the TEC. Uh, and John claude Van Damme is their newest recruit. Uh, but before he can start his first day on the job, he and his lovely wife are attacked post-coitus, post-sex coitus, um, by some mysterious thugs. Uh, they are, well, she's horribly killed. We catch up with him sometime later. And uh, yeah, he's a full blown, full blown time cop, like going back to the depression. And, uh, you know, when people are throwing themselves off buildings through glass, uh, wrangling his old partner who has gone back in time to make thousands and millions of dollars on future stocks during the depression uh, for himself and also at the behest of this crooked politician. Um, come to find out this crooked politician has started his own shadowy organization uh, to raise campaign funds, as I mentioned. So Max has to find a way to make sense of it all. And he keeps going back to different points in time to unravel a mystery and he gets a partner and there's betrayal. And it's, I, I loved this movie. Thank you. Me too. I love this film. No, 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 no. Loved. Oh, loved. Up, up until a point. Okay. When they, okay. They stop with the really big ideas, even though there's some little, holes you can pick and things that it's mm -hmm. going to deflate the whole balloon but it's funny mm -hmm. it's cool in that 1990s way that like men in black and face off are where you've got like there's this one sci-fi element that changes the entire world like there's one secret society like we discovered aliens now we built a secret society yeah. we discovered face transplant technology so we've got this secret agency and we're yeah. going to make make nick cage into john travolta in this case we found time travels We've got the secret organization. It's great stuff. It's funny. It's 90s humor funny. Van Damme is, you know, the less he talks, the better, but he still kicks so much ass doing splits, as folks can see, you know, tastefully obscured by our pictures up there. <laughs> but uh, it falls apart in the third act when it stops being about time travel and sci-fi and just becomes it's raining and thugs are in the house. And, you know, <laughs> we, the, Ron Silver has the girl with the gun at the back kind of a thing. And they've just got to, like, talk their way out of the situation. It kind of picks up at the end because it goes back to the alternate timeline and or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, a cute little happy ending. But I was like, man, there's 20 minutes towards the end of this thing where the, that should have been somehow the beginning. Like, have the beginning mm -hmm. be the low-tech boring stuff and ramp up to the cool ideas. But, yeah, this is – it went from, like – an 
almost an ironic A plus to B B territory. B, B plus maybe. And and I can see that it it does take that turn when he goes back. He realizes he's back in time, and they're going to go back to the house and erase him. So you, you get the whole, you know he's got to try to avoid himself type of thing yet he still meets up with his wife who he finds out she had a big secret to tell him before she got killed but she never got to tell the secret so future event, I had no idea what the secret was mark I couldn't figure it out yeah right like, <laughs> yeah. What, what does she want to tell him let's remember this is an action film we're not going for too deep of of things going on here okay um you know but- but just, just, just hold on. Let's pull the car over to this side. Okay, fine, right. Dad. Fine. <laughs> I understand what you're saying, but is there anybody, any screenwriter out there who's thinking this is going to get some people? It's going to get them in the <laughs> no. brain, and it's going to get them in the heart right here. No. They're going to be like, oh, no, she was what? No, they're, they're supposed to know all along. It's more of you knowing and him not. The whole time, I think. I don't know. They put it. It's a McGuff. It's it's a freaking <laughs> plot device. It just it's yeah. It's the revelation of the surprise towards the end was pretty vile, if I might say oh, so myself. Oh, nice, nice. I did. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. But again, okay, that reveal. Yeah, but the way they go about how he runs across the vial of blood, I thought was interesting because folks, yes. he goes back and. What ends up happening? He has a partner who's AI. There, I, 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 I excuse me. There, she's, she's, she's not. She's, she's not AI. No, we're not that far yet. Sorry, different movie. No, she is IA. Uh, you know, and she's investigating our man Walker because his partner was the one who was crooked, and they got a confession out of him, and they literally pull a Judge Dread to where they're like, "You're guilty, treason." die and they <laughs> and they dump him right back in the timeline before he was going to splat against some pavement jumping out a window um that was a, and that's what i'm talking about like the front half of this movie is so loaded with cool ideas mm-hmm. you see the the scene where they're you know the guy decides and i love it because there's so much brains and heart to this the guy mm-hmm. that you know, van damme goes after in the depression is like look if i die here that's fine but if i go back into the future and rat on ron silver's character he's going to destroy my entire family mm-hmm. like my kids i think he says my dog or yeah. something like my cat <laughs> uh and so faced with that choice he runs and jumps out of the building you know so people just think it's another depression era death van damme goes with them and before they hit the ground they get absorbed into the time portal and then five minutes later, the guy gets a death sentence. And what do we see? We cut back to the Depression era and him falling through the time portal, seamlessly splatting on the sidewalk, basically continuing his death. If that's how they do all of these, like, you know, yeah. traitorous executions, like just send them back into the alternate timeline to where they would have died. It's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's yeah. Just, it's I hadn't se- I haven't seen that before from mm-hmm. what you know executed in that way no pun intended no no but you're absolutely right there are a lot of great ideas especially in the front end they and, and that's what i find interesting about this film is that they actually spend at least a little bit of time uh not a huge amount but they do spend some time kind of world building at least or organization building on how things work you know it's not just the single you know 
uh, Walker bent on revenge, you know, we, we do get at least other glimpses of the way this organization works. And that's what I love about it is, is you do get a little bit more than that because it follows that trend of interesting 90s sci-fi action films, especially ones that were kind of rated R in that you felt like filmmakers were just, were seeing the glimmer. Now, as you mentioned, it falters in the end to where it becomes really just a basic, like lethal weapon type fight at the end, rain and a right. house, you know, yeah. but up, a, up, up until that point, you actually have much like, you know, some other films in the past we've, we've, we've covered like, uh, you know, uh, Demolition Man in that where you had some thought put behind at least your action film. So to where the point of it's just we're not just following the uh, protagonist through the whole thing and who cares what world he's in. We're just following him as he kicks ass. We actually have at least a little bit of thought put in the world around him. Uh, but like a lot of those films, it doesn't just, it, they, they don't quite cross the finish line with it, but it's still it, I, the first, I think the first hour of the, the first hour of this film keeps you interested enough to when you get to that last like 10, 15, 20 minutes, you're okay. You're like, okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, way I was, especially when you get the ending you do, which is a happy ending. So, you know, yeah, I, I, that's the thing I'm. I have to go back and watch this again at some point um, because now I know what to expect. Maybe the climax won't bother me as much, mm -hmm. especially because the climax ends with, I mean, people knock, you know, mid nineties CGI a lot, and this is definitely mid nineties mm -hmm. CGI. But when you see what they do with it, it is so disturbing looking and so imaginatively rendered. I mean, spoiler alert, cause that's the show that we're on, but there's this whole idea of, matter cannot occupy the same space as itself or else you know right. bad things happen the, the, the classic so, that classic sci-fi trope for ages it's been that you know with time right. travel <laughs> um so essentially you can go back in time but if you encounter yourself you cannot touch you can't touch yourself <laughs> <laughs> well damn it <laughs> i know that's why i'm never going back in time. I, yeah but uh so at the end, Ron Silver basically gets kicked into himself, courtesy of JCVD, and he melds into this CGI, bloody, like hellish, pseudo demonish, you know, thing, uh, and then melts into the floor into several puddles, and it's beautiful and just gross. <laughs> it's um, so I liked it. I, I that's the thing is I I was disappointed by the turn that the movie took because mm -hmm. I feel like they could have done something much smarter that was more on key with what they had started out with, but. Uh, yeah, I think overall it's uh, it, it holds up. It, it does. It holds up. I mean, it takes some interesting twists, like the twist with the, uh, you know, internal affairs, you know, the fielding. Blood. You're going to talk about the blood and what that what that meant. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Gloria Rubin plays fielding in here, and uh, she's the internal affairs individual who eventually there's betrayal. Yes, folks, a spoiler room. Come on. It's in the title. There's betrayal. Um, thanks to uh, Ron Silver's Macomb. And uh, she gets shot. There's a firefight. She gets shot and she ends up falling through time. Well, what we end up discovering is, uh, you know, Walker goes back to the future. Sorry. Um, and uh, the future's changed. He, he, you know, Macomb has seriously changed the future. So we're kind of playing on the back to the future timeline thing of one timeline, not that uh, thing that, 
in the MCU. Anyway, um, <laughs> we, we've got the one timeline to where he goes back supposedly the same point in the future, only this time things have changed. His buddy doesn't, his barely knows him. The time uh, bureau is actually, bureau, excuse me, the TEC is actually being dismantled literally when he gets back. He's like the last mission. Um, and so he's like, well, crap, now that the future's changed, what do I do? So he goes back to the time that he left and looks up Fielding, who is in critical condition from shoot a shot. He thinks maybe she survived. He, It's a shot, you know, it's like a, a needle in a haystack. But of course, she survived and they have her blood. And so when he goes to get her blood, he sees the blood vial for his wife. And then it's got a note wrapped around it that says the pregnancy test positive. And he's like, oh. But what's interesting about the way they play this is, and mad props to Jean-Claude Van Damme, there's a little emotion shown, but what's interesting about his Walker character this whole time is he shows just enough emotion so you know that the death of his wife, the brutal death of his wife, did affect him. But at the same time, that is not the baggage he carries with him like through the film like we would normally see. I mean, that to the point to where he's like, he doesn't see the vial and suddenly like just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we've maybe, you know, maybe have seen before in a film where there's a big reveal like that, you know, where he had his, he's dealing with still with his death of his wife 10 years later here. He's like, oh shit, wait, where am I? Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he, he doesn't bust out and cry. He actually comes up with a possible solution. Yeah. And I want to ask you about that solution. Cause I was a little bit confused because he decides at that point to go see Melissa. Mm -hmm. um, and he kind of encounters her at the mall. And there's some callbacks to the earlier part of the film, but he says, cause he gets to her right before his past self was supposed to meet up with. Her. Right. And he says like, don't tell him or, mm -hmm. you know, please don't right. tell him. But then, like, later on, it felt like he was urging her to tell him about the pregnancy. Because, like, in the house, when she comes downstairs because he got a phone right. call, he was like, did you tell him? And it wasn't like, you know, I thought I told you not to tell him. It was like, did you tell him? Like, you're supposed to, did you? And she was like, no, I didn't get a chance to. I'm like, did I miss something? <laughs> it, we might have. I think what he meant is don't tell him right away, which... If you look at it, it might be the reason kind of why she I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that he stopped the robber, you could almost see the whole what we see in the beginning was actually altered by him, you know, later on. But but he messes with the robber. So that throws that out the window. But I think he meant don't tell him right away. But I don't know. That part was a bit. It was Awkward. it was very distinctly don't tell him. It wasn't yeah. like don't tell him right away. And that's why I thought maybe mm -hmm. I missed something. It no, could no, just you, be a plot hole. You you um, didn't. Uh I you know, I'm not sure what his motivation was, except I could see maybe him thinking that if she told him early or something along that lines, that uh, you know, it might change who he where he's at right now. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It, it, oh, yeah. it, it could have been something along that lines. I mean, Walker knows the tech, but he doesn't know the full tech. Let's put it, even though he's been doing it 10 years, uh, you get the idea that he's an expert, but he's still the guy in the trenches. So he's not exactly about the nuance completely of time travel. Uh, he just knows the basics, like can't occupy, you know, the same space at the same time and, and your basic rules. 
Yeah, and I, you know, that's one thing I dug about this movie was it tiptoes up to the Back to the Future tropes and then kind of does a little dance around mm -hmm. them in certain ways. Because uh, we do get like the mall scene, like I mentioned, we see a scene that we saw at the beginning of the movie, but we also come to realize that there are people from the future who are also in that mall at the same mm -hmm. time, kind of like doing things in the background. Um, but for example, the showdown with Silva at the end in the house, uh, there had been the fight with the thugs, the younger version, the previous version of, you know, Walker was still mm -hmm. unconscious out on the lawn, right. but it wasn't the same. It wasn't because of the same sequence of events that we saw at the beginning of the film. And Silva even noticed like, yeah, we're back here again, but things are a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So it's not exactly the same. It's almost like certain getting back to, uh, you know loki or um, <laughs> yeah may maybe maybe even what if a little bit that mm -hmm. the idea that there are certain like touchstones in the time space continuum that have to happen like certain mm -hmm. certain pieces have to be on the chessboard at a certain time but the moves that got them there can still be different still as be long different, as the yeah. pieces end up there right um, so that, that's some cool ideas and this is this was based and i didn't read the comic but it was based mm -hmm. on a dark horse comic and that was sort of an indie label that's still you know around and going they're m mostly famous for publishing the aliens and the predator comics mm -hmm. from the 90s but you know uh was it uh mike for and mark richardson i think i think so yeah like we're behind this they mm -hmm. created the comic i think they wrote the screenplay mm -hmm. you know and i feel like you can tell that this was made by like comic book writers <laughs> because up to that certain <laughs> yeah. point even if it's mumbo jumbo it's still kind of thought out and plotted out and worked out so it's got a logic that somebody was thinking about instead yeah. of just like hey wouldn't it be cool if jcvd showed up and you know helped himself fight <laughs> bad guys <laughs> and what i what i think helps this movie quite a bit is not just the script where we've alluded to it does try to be at least a little bit smarter than um your average like just basic action you know it, it, film uh but also the direction and some of the cinematography in here it, for an action film like this you could tell they were kind of putting their eggs in the basket trying to make this kind of a big deal um because so you know they got talented folks the director of this is the guy who directed outland in 2010 you know <laughs> and he just directed the Presidio. Uh, he'd go on to direct a uh, um, Van Damme in Sudden Death. I think, yeah, that's is that Van Damme as well? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, well, there there is a scene or a, a shot mm -hmm. that I had to go back and rewind because I didn't understand how I was watching it, um, especially in a movie that came out in '94. At one point, it's when Walker rematerializes in the past. Mm -hmm. He goes through that Terminator 2 kind of like rippling, almost <laughs> yeah. like the liquid metal time, but it's mm -hmm. transparent instead of silver. And he materializes in the middle of a highway and there's a <laughs> semi truck coming up right behind him. And I'm thinking, oh, this is CGI with some rear projection or something. But then you actually see the truck like come over, over Van Dam and into the camera. I'm like, how it's amazing <laughs> it, that, and that's what i mean is the direction and some of the cinematography in here there's some pretty cool stuff that they do in here um there's another shot at the end in the house fight the big showdown to where walker sees himself getting the crap beat out of him by the big thug guy and so the camera's on walker 
facing him and he's walking towards the camera as he's coming down the hallway out the door down the stairs to face it's a wonderful shot to where you would think you would see cuts but it's just this long continuous shot and i'm just like that's pretty cool to see in in a film like this you know well and you know van damme does not get a lot of credit for his acting ability and i'd Mm -mm. say you know rightfully so in some circles especially in 94 because he'd only been really doing it for like six years but uh, i gotta say the performance and also the costuming and the Mm -hmm. hairstyling went a long way in telling the story because mm-hmm. when we first see him in early in the movie when he's you know all in love and stuff he's got like the like the probably the kickboxer era blood sport short van damme hair right. and kind of the yeah. baby face i'm like i know this is 94 but it looks like they filmed it in 88 and just like saved the footage or something because he looks really young yeah he does. and then when you see him 10 years later he's got like the 1994 you know superman back from the dead like almost mullet going on with the big awesome wavy hair but he looks more rugged and haggard he's got like the glimpse of a five o'clock shadow sort of so you can really tell this is a different it's not just 10 years this is a different person yeah like the, the events of the first couple of minutes of this movie really had an effect on him and it didn't just show him like oh he's got a bottle of whiskey and you know he's smoking right. cigarettes now no it's all in the performance and also the way that he looks yeah, I loved his look. And in fact, uh, I just pulled up the trivia page here just for the shits and giggles. And it says his hairstyle from 2004, Max, is influenced by Wolverine. So there you go. <laughs> well, and then also in the uh, yeah, now I really want to know more about this. Well, because we're talking about comic book. Writers, right. So it's, of course, yeah. But yeah, in, in the mall, in the beginning, when he stops the purse snatcher, he does. He puts his foot up and, you know, the boot is in the guy's face. He says, read what it says. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Wolverine. <laughs> no, be, read between the lines. And he's like, oh. oh. <laughs> but even that was nice and unexpected because I expected him to go, you know, read between the lines. And he, the guy would lean in and then yeah, like, he kick kicks him, him but he doesn't. Like, yeah. Right. He just lets him kind of go. That, yeah, it's, it's a sweet little woman. But <laughs> even at the end in the house fight, when we see young Van Damme, it's great because this is before he's like a rough and tumble, like mm-hmm. time traveling cop. He's still just a, a young military guy who's going in for the secret program. You know, he's wearing a tie to work and shit. So when these this army of thugs and a U.S. senator break into his house in the rain with this high tech weaponry, he doesn't instantly spring into action mode. I mean, he does no. his best, but there's a shot where he's peeking through a broken window to see his future self rough, you know, mm-hmm. tumbling with someone. And he, the camera cuts to his face. He looks scared. He's like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, he's going to be joining. He's going to be joining, uh, you know, a time cop play. And yet him seeing himself for the first time, he's just like, what? <laughs> yeah and he also looks a lot younger so it, it goes you know the, the cutting back and forth between the old and the young it really goes to sell the idea that these are people from two different worlds literally yeah. having to come together to to fight some ridiculous challenge <laughs> but i mean and even the two people thing i mean we are talking 94 folks but there's this shot where uh ron uh silver faces himself and you know and it, it does show its age a bit, but at the same time, I'm still like, you forget that 
when Back to the Future did it, suddenly everybody was trying to kind of do that because they're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. So they try to do that here. <laughs> I made the note of that, too. Um, in addition to fuck sacks, uh, one of the things I underlined was, yeah, you saw this in so many movies in the 90s. Uh, and the technology got better, so it got less cheesy. But it's the thing where a character encounters himself and has to do the just to show like it's not like the old uh, split screen thing where you'd have the, you know, the two different sets where <laughs> looking at each other. But no, like walking around them, doing the head to toe kind of like nodding inspection, yeah, like yeah. incredulity. But it's really well done here. And even with Ron Silver's character. Um, you know, the older senator has like the gray at the temples. Mm -hmm. He's a little bit almost like leaner, but and the younger version of him has a little bit of pudge to him, but he's got this dark brown hair and even makes a note of it. He's like, lay off the fucking candy bars. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do do myself a favor. OK. Oh, do me a favor. Lay off the fucking candy bar. <laughs> I. You know, I know this. You can't say this nowadays because Ron Silver is who he is or was who he was. I don't even know if he's still alive, but, um, you know, he was fantastic in this movie playing a not quite Donald Trump, Donald Trump. Thank you. <laughs> villain. Um, it was it was it was scary. It was uncanny. I'm watching it again because I've watched this a few times, but it's been a number of years. I've definitely not watched it in the past like five years. So watching it again on my laser disc, yeah, um, yes, uh, <laughs> watching it again on the laser disc. There's some of the things he's talking about. And I'm like, he says one line, and I'm like, okay, that's kind of Trumpish, but yeah, you know, any any senator type of thing. But there's a few other things in his behavior, especially when he starts talking about his presidency. I'm going, this is kind of eerie. <laughs> well, what I liked about it is that, you know, we can look at a Trump caricature and see it as a Trump caricature. Mm. This was a portrait of, and I don't know if, if the writers had Trump in mind when they were writing. He was certainly a big figure back in oh. the 1990s and he had a, a layer of celebrity. But, you know, in going up as far as the early 2000s, he wasn't seen as a clown. No, he was seen mm -hmm. as a business person. And this was very much a portrayal of what if a business person yep. got the ability to you know manipulate time to get money and buy his way into the White House. And that's what I think makes this a striking thing instead of because he's kind of terrifying. Like when he's right. he's so callous, he doesn't give a crap about anybody when he's slapping his assistant and breaking his nose. <laughs> Uh, you know, in the limousine and he's like, you know, what are you going to cry about it? Kind of a thing. Yeah. And he offers him like a bowl of nuts. I'm like, this guy's a complete sociopath. I love it. He is a sociopath. It played so well. You're right. I, I've seen some people talk about it and I do have to say, this is one of my favorite Ron Silver roles. I really like him in this, this role. He, he seems to really get into this character and he's a scary individual. And, and yeah, you're right. It is more of, hey, what if a businessman, because we find out later he was a businessman who got initially kicked out from a, a, a chip and software development company from another individual. They, they basically had a, a falling out. Um, and we come to find that out. So he was a businessman and now he's turned politician. So again, it was getting eerie. Uh, one of my favorite lines of his, and I hope I get it right, was... Um, he, he was, he's questioned at one point, why does he keep getting this money? Because he's starting to move up in the polls in the alternate timeline, but he's still getting the money. And he says something to the effect of, he wants to be so rich 
that no one cares what you have to say. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a freaking action film and he's dropping some lines and there's a few other things that he does too that I'm just like, wow, this, this makes this guy more than just a kind of a basic villain. He's got a little bit of, you know, gusto to him to where he's like you said, a sociopath. He's, he's scary. He's, he's someone who knows what he is and what he's doing. And he's just got an agenda. That's, that's yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's one of the great things about like, especially the early and mid nineties, you know, movies Mm -hmm. is they didn't just have like these crazy, you know, cool ideas to explore. They also had this kind of countercultural, distrust of the government and particularly the media you mm-hmm. look at demolition man oh yeah you know with its gross like over commercialization uh you look at movies like natural born killers you look mm-hmm. at movies like this i mean the, it's it was subversion as a mass marketable product right <laughs> yeah it's like you know, yeah and, which is you know in itself kind of gross like yeah you know taco bell sucks <laughs> this movie <laughs> has taco bell all over it and you could probably buy taco bell demolition man cups when you go to the drive oh yeah you, you could oh hey we got a love Eva. we got a heart thank you hey we got Woo! a heart uh appreciate everyone uh tuning in yeah it's it's really wild just watching this and, and the whole idea of commercialism was the villain i mean if you look through the 80s initially and, and again, I'm no, you're more of an expert than I, uh, but watching a lot of the 80s films, you kind of go from where the privileged and the yuppies are kind of the villains, bad guys, the bullies. But as we get into late 80s, starting, I would say, with like 87 with Robocop, for sure, you start getting to, well, it's not so much a yuppie himself, but the corporate entity. And then corporate entity starts building into politicians. So we get into the 90s to where now suddenly you're getting a lot of senator bad guys going on in in the late 80s, early 90s. There's a lot of suddenly moving to where it's not so much your corporate are villains as politicians are now the 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 schemers well and and the merger of the two i Mm -hmm. mean you look at you look at a comedy like dave yeah or you know an arnold schwarzenegger pseudo political thriller like eraser Mm -hmm. you know where you've got the great i can't remember who the villain was in that movie i'm gonna it's gonna kill it was a james con maybe i think it was james con yeah yeah, at the end, he traps their limo on the the train tracks in a fucking train. It's like demolishes his limo full of senators. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they really seem like they had something to say, uh, and that's I I get nostalgic for the <laughs> the eighties and the nineties because you know they at least had villains who you know they they meant something unlike the cardboard cutout kind of comic book villains today (laughs) they did and well i i I saw another you know a mention of uh i I forget which podcast it was on i do apologize out there for those who may be listening but there was one that mentioned about um die hard being a turning point for uh villains that you could have in an action film you know, because before that, a lot of them were your basic either go to the next boss level for your Schwarzenegger and your Sly or your hero. You know, you you, you upgrade, you you fight the mini boss and then you fight the, you know, the second, the, the right hand man guy. And then you fight or confront the bad guy, um, the main villain. Uh, you know, you, you they kind of drift away with that a little bit with Die Hard to where you have a very intelligent, very smart 
not over character. I mean, he's not like maniac, you know, manic type of <clears throat> type of villain. <laughs> like, like you get, you know, uh, he, he was suave. He's charismatic. Alan Rickman just nails that part. I love that part. But if you look at your villains and they start to evolve, especially like you said, in the 90s, we start getting to where they're still kind of still have those tropes and characters, but there's a little bit more to them than that in even your basic action films. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the lot it's it's popular to say that, you know, the only reason like action movies and even comic book films are halfway interesting is because, you know, the villains, you know, you got a great mm -hmm. villain, you've got a great movie. Um, I feel like that was, I don't know if it was Die Hard feels like it's the, the right psychic lightning rod to reference there. But I feel like that was an expression that came about post Die Hard. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be, if you look at the movies like Schwarzenegger and Stallone, oh, yeah. you remember you remember them in those movies kicking butt, but you very, very rarely remember the villains. I mean, they might be like colorful characters and personalities, but they were usually like generic kind of maniacs like mm -hmm. I've got your daughter, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a, that's a that's a fascinating point. Yeah, I mean, I, I do love I love Die Hard, too. And as well, um, it's funny you mentioned that because when we first see the young Ron Silver mm -hmm. in that uh, that factory, uh, no, it was the it was the, the microprocessing in plant. The microprocessing plant. He's yeah. Uh, he looks like Ellis from Die Hard. Thank you. Good. I was, yeah. I, I'm not the only one. I totally looked at it and go, Ellis? What? Uh. And he was in kind of that same position where everyone's like, don't say anything. <laughs> He's kind of a bit of a weasel guy, too. Yeah. He, Rod Silver, he did look a lot like Ellis in that shot. Um, but it's, it's interesting, too, because... Uh, with that character, we don't spend a whole lot of time with him, mm -hmm. but he's getting bullied by his future self. Yeah. And it's not a struggle of like, it's not like he was always a crazy egomaniac villain. You get the sense that he was made that way over the course of the, of the 10 years, because in this timeline, he's just beginning to walk away from this, you know, partnership that he is not aware is going to cost him several billion dollars. And you can see that creating this, kind of bitterness into him whereas like if he could find that that guy's technology would build a time machine where you can go back and screw that guy and like everybody else and make billions of dollars you can see why he would take that chance mm -hmm. but he is kind of an innocent like even when he shows up at the end he just kind of like wanders into the into that bedroom where the confrontation's going on he's like I, I i got a phone call i was supposed to meet someone here it wasn't like yeah <laughs> i'm gonna turn the tables on you with my future self he was just kind of like naive yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't that walker called up young macomb and said hey here's the deal you've become an asshole in the future why don't you come you know you can help really make a change to your future if you show up at the house or whatever. We don't even get that dialogue. Something happens off stream because this is the dun 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 moment when the young Macomb shows up. But you're right, young Macomb shows up going, Wait, didn't you call me? Which means that our hero totally sets up young Macomb to use him as a as a pawn because he knew that old Macomb would probably use his wife or something to try to get him, you know, to not kill him in the kill future him. <laughs> and so it's just, it it's interesting because, uh, yeah, because you have a hero here too, then who's 
playing a little dirty as well. You know, he's he's not afraid to pull that trigger of, yeah, I know this past, you know, Macomb is kind of an innocent, but I'm going to use him to save my wife if I have to. Yeah. He's not above because well, he knows what he's he knows what he's going to become. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I want to ask you about, and again, we're going to I'm going to bring up something that has no business being discussed in the context of this particular film, but it's a <laughs> sure. continuity problem. Sure, sure. The the bad guys, the the henchmen, the thugs, yeah. whatever, when they're going to the house in mm-hmm. the rain, um, there's like if anybody kills him or I can't remember. Let's just say if anybody kills him. Uh, they stay here or they're not coming back. Like, oh, if, there, you, if like you a, don't kill him, you're not. If coming you don't back. kill him. Yeah. You're not going back. Yeah. What kind of punishment is that? Can't you do a lot more damage <laughs> with the time space continuum by leaving some, you know, bloodthirsty, dumb, you know, thug in the past? You could, but he could also have the double meaning of you're not going back as in he's going to kill him himself if he doesn't kill, you know, Walker. <sighs> Maybe. Yeah. No, maybe. I get I get I, what you're saying. It's it's it is a misstep. It was like, okay, I'm not <laughs> fine, do that. I'll track you down in the past and I'll kill your freaking, you know, <laughs> family and then Or I'll just sit here and play the lottery and become wealthier than you yeah. know. <laughs> you know, whatever. you know, you know the winner of the next ten Super Bowls, so fuck it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I did like that I think it's in that um in that chip processing mm-hmm. scene or whatever where uh, Van Dam throws younger uh, Macomb yeah. into like a wall or something, and he gets that he gets a cut on his cheek. And then we see older Ron Silva get the scar materializes yeah. on his cheek. I love that, and there's no reason why it would affect him, but we just see the scar appear in his face, and he doesn't have any kind of reaction to it mm-hmm. because that change even though we just saw it happen for that character, the reality is that happened to him 10 years ago. There's no reason right. he would feel it or even notice it. It just kind of appeared, but it's like, wow, what, what else, <laughs> what other damage could be going on underneath his clothes? Like, does he have any broken ribs? Jesus. Yeah. It, it, it was a moment too, uh, that showed, I think they also show that because to remind the audience in case you didn't pick up on it already, I think it's also just the extra added tool that, even though he's in the past to try to stop him, he can still impact his future, you know, with, with cutting him just by doing that one scene. That's all they do. No one addresses it. You're right. His character doesn't go like suddenly go, huh? You know, no, it's just always been there because he remembers this fight with, you know, (laughs) uh, with, with, with Walker. Yeah. Um, Cause we're talking about people dealing with the, you know, alternate timeline versions themselves coming up do we have any other canon fodder movies in the barrel that deal with this time travel stuff and we do not no damn well maybe you can do this for next year because i came up with an idea only two titles deep but uh, a special month you could do i even have the title it's called note to self it's about uh, about movies where people deal with time travel and and run into themselves i'm thinking of back to the future 2 thinking about looper (laughs) i'm sure there's a dozen there's there's a few few we could do i like that idea i'll make a note of that for sure uh we (laughs) we may do a we may do because i think we have outside of this one i think you still have at least three other movies to where van damme plays himself he plays two characters as himself in this film uh in a film Uh, there's at least three other times he does um 
and I was like, wait, because just on a whim, I was looking it up and I'm like, well, how many times has he done? Because I knew in here he meets his younger self and then he plays his, you know, the, it, there's a couple times where he plays a twin and then he yeah. plays an alternate, for, you know, it's like I looked it up like, wow, there's like three other films besides this one where he's playing another him, you know, where he's played two characters. I'm like that. I, I just checked because I thought as a, as a joke, but then I was like, no, there's three other movies where he's played two different characters though. I know universal soldier. Okay, folks. Yes, it's a stretch, but still he's two different characters in that at the first, he's a regular guy. And then he becomes universal soldier later. So he's technically two characters in that film as well. Um, you know, it's just interesting. And he handles it, you know, he handles it well here. I, I like, I, this movie has is, is got a lot of fun and 90s action charm to it. And, you know, Van Damme's talent. And this is this is interesting because when you say action films, a lot of times you a lot of people think of immediately Arnold and Sly, which you would. But, you know, you look at Van Damme, he reminds me a lot of young Norris. Chuck Norris, as far yeah. as kind of the type of films and especially his his style and, and, and the fight scenes he does, because his fight scenes in here, they're wonderful. I mean, they're 90s, sure, but they're wonderful. There's this wonderful fight in the future where it's a it's not a sword fight. It's a knife fight with mm. small knives where they're blocking each other. And it's like a variation of a sword fight because they're these knives are only like three inches. <laughs> But that's the thing. It looks ridiculous, but it also looks you believe the knife and knife, 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 life and death intensity of it, because at one point they do have a sword fight kind of a pose mm. where they're both the swords are crossed. But you're right. They're like this and you can see them straining. like <laughs> They're only like three or four inch blades. These aren't even like Rambo blades at all. These are like freaking. But. Yeah, but the way they sell it and the direction and the cinematography, it still has a little element of danger. And and Van Damme's skills at you know action are are, are insane, and they show off in this film. I love them. You know, I loved yeah, all I mean, the action scenes in here. Yeah, you said these are '90s action scenes, but I mean, I think they are '90s action scenes, and mm -hmm. I mean with the exception of like John wick where the whole point of a lot of those fight scenes is we're going to show a prolonged, mm -hmm. very visible, like you can tell what's going on in the frame at all times. A lot of action movies now are just cut all to hell yeah. and close up you, and yeah, close ups, or you can tell it's stunt people or, mm -hmm. you know, enhanced with CGI or, or whatever. They're just working. They don't look real. Mm -hmm. This, you know, cause it's the nineties. You probably have, you know, Van Damme as like a cadre of highly trained, you know, fighters going at it. It you just feel like something could have gone wrong on that set and someone would have ended up with a broken jaw and possibly did anyway. Yeah, they probably still did. I'm sure there are still at least a few bruised ribs or whatnot with it for sure. Um, you know. And he fights in his underwear. And well, I think that's a requirement for Van Damme films at at least one scene requires him to have his shirt off at least his shirt off which i'm not complaining the man it's like his physique you're just like holy there's reasons called hot van Dam this <laughs> month that's why it's called hot van Dam. but i think it's in his contract where he has to remove his shirt but i mean it's like but he's like he's down to his tidy whitey he's, uh, he's down to his boxer briefs in this yeah at least yeah when he's fighting 
Um, yeah, so he's got his JCVD BVDs. Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, it's. I want to make a. I, I got another one. Uh, I want to make a movie where he goes around just like having lots of unprotected sex. We can call it JCVD. <laughs> oh God. Right. Uh, <laughs> JCVDVD. JC <laughs> yeah. There you go. VDVDVC. No. VDVDVC. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah. Uh but yeah, I I dug this action scene. I love I love and it is the 90s thing too. Um sci-fi 90s films. The development of technology is far quicker in 10 years than in real life because we go from 1994 and it's just set, it came out in 94, so everything is 94ish technology. Everything is like, okay, you know, it's it's but we go 10 years and they have stuff that's just coming out now in 2020. <laughs> well, yeah, it's weird because he walks into his house and he's got like an Alexa thing, like turn on the TV. Yeah. Um, you know, play tape. Read my messages. Yeah, play tape. <laughs> he says play tape. I'm like. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm noticing like, okay, the, the time travel device, which. That whole setup totally looked like the launchers from Battlestar Galactica oh, absolutely. TV show. Absolutely. Um, but even just the cars, like they've got these white futuristic armored, like designed all to hell cars that they're all riding around in, in 2004. Self-driving. I mean, Self-driving. Yeah. Yes. But that's like the only thing that I really picked up on mm -hmm. that was you know, conspicuously high tech was just a few of the cars. Well, the they did have VR already. He had a VR goggles, which actually happened oh, today. <laughs> yes. Besides, besides the, 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 what would you call it? The sack scene? <laughs> the fuck sacks. The yes. fuck sacks. Besides the gratuitous, because we are talking rated R sci-fi films. So there's almost, it, it's still the trope carryover from the eighties. You have to have at least one sex scene or nudity scene, one gratuitous, at least one gratuitous nude scene. I mean, total recall had it with the three breasted lady. Um, you know, you have it in here with their love scene. Mia, Sarah, those who love Ferris Bueller finally get their chance, who may have been like, oh, wow, I, you know, she doesn't get. Yeah, whatever. You, you see what Cameron saw 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> and, but then there's this virtual goggle scene. And what was eerie about it was his VR goggles looked like the vr goggles of today i mean i know it, it's kind of pretty but 94 they look like it and of course he's he's looking at porn at work which again is kind of you know being prophetic for some people uh <laughs> well he's looking at porn at work but it's also like on outward displays yeah like it's on i think big so TV yeah around his day. and we should be clear we're not talking about van damme we're talking no. about rick or ricky rick, or ricky or yeah, the, yeah the tech guy because you know um, uh, tech guys are guys with glasses who do nothing but look at porn. So, yeah. Sorry. No. Um... <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> but no. I the thing is that you know I don't know. This is the 2020 lens, but I saw it like it opens on this naked woman sprawled out across a bed and then she kind of like crawls towards the camera and you see pretty much everything and then she's like undoing the pants of the you know viewer and it's like oh it's vr goggles yeah this is totally <laughs> like the scene goes on for like two minutes i'm like what are <laughs> we goes, doing here it, it go, 
it well it's one of those things where it goes on initially and you get full frontal here so that was it's like okay what's going on because it just this we suddenly cut from like a scene for the plot to suddenly this scene where this just full naked woman's on the bed and then yeah it's like a full 30 some seconds she's she slinks and then we cut and you're like oh okay and he's got the goggles we're like okay so, so we're good then we cut back to it because in case you didn't get the scene the first time <laughs> And this is this goes back to something I was asking you earlier about, like the whole pregnancy, you know, yeah. non-surprise. Like, are there yeah. people out there who are going to be surprised by it? Are there people out there who are honestly going to be turned on by this VR porn scene? Because it goes on. You, know, you could have done that in like a ten-second thing of like mm -hmm. just showing the guy at his desk. Oh, what are you looking at? Oh, it's you know, yes, yeah. VR porn. This. It it lingers for so long that you almost get the feeling like the producer's like someone's gonna be titillated by this, huh? <laughs> no, huh? isn't this I... sexy? I'm like, no, this is not erotic in any context. I did not come to this movie to see that. I came here to see Jean Claude Van Damme beat the crap out of people. That's what I want to see, and some time in travel. his underwear. Well, I don't want to see naked women. I want to see JCVD <laughs> JCV. DVDs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, no, that's that's not I don't care. No, get get me to the action, which there's plenty of though the the there is logic and illogic at the same exact time with their time travel device. Because they get into a pod and they travel forward and there's some danger to it. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is kind of your standard. All right. <laughs> so when they do go through the portal and they go into the past. They're not in the pod anymore. They just get dumped as if they walked through a portal and or there is no through, pod. Yeah. And then when they hit the little return box to return them back to time, they suddenly get dumped back into this pod as it comes back through the time. It's like it was like the only thing to where I'm just like, OK, I, I'm not going to give it too much thought because I just am waiting for jcvc to kick some more ass you know vd uh, to kick some more ass um but still it was like that was one part where like huh <laughs> you really gotta put that out of your head i know yeah that's, i know it's it's, it, it's infuriating if you think about like like they <laughs> they plotted everything else out it's, but not that that's the thing is, is even if the pod came out and splashed down into the river when they tell i'm like okay and then it was like a little hover pot or something and then you do like a chameleon thing or something you know with it but no they just suddenly they're in the past but the pod's gone and then they press the button and then they're suddenly back in the pod i yeah yeah I, but you um, know it's just the tool I, it, I mean well i did like that you know going back to that cgi there's the mm -hmm. scene where walker and fielding who's you know gloria rubin's traitor character <clears throat> go through you know they're kind of double piloting this one ship oh yeah and they, they reach 88 miles per hour and as they do <laughs> you know on uh the pitch meeting youtube videos sometimes i'll post those where they yeah. you know that's the guy playing the hollywood exec and the screenwriter yeah oh yeah of, i love like, them pointing out yeah. Movies. yeah the thumbnails i don't know if you ever pay attention mm -hmm. but the thumbnails they'll take like a still from the movie yep. and the main actors and like blow the eyes, eyes up, up all mm -hmm. wide and cartoony they do that in this movie <laughs> Like it, JCVD and Gloria Rubin, they get yeah. like the distorted eyes and the, the Schwarzenegger total recall. And, ah, 
time as they go through time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. They literally they get the face like for those uh, a little bit younger than us. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Two when they're jumping through the when they're te- transporting to ego and whatever you know and their faces the uh, rocket raccoons face is is morphing constantly or uh you know as they're oh, teleporting right, yeah. as they're jumping um you know uh their faces get all quirky and shit and and it looks just like that and what's even more hilarious at first when you're watching the monitors because they watch it on the monitors when that happens what i loved about that is first is her character immediately screams right away because she's only done it in simulators so the fact that it's real time happening she like immediately screams walker <laughs> doesn't until like the very moment before they tread and then suddenly he starts screaming as well i i didn't expect that i'm like oh even our hero he's just like oh shit you know (laughs) i could splat against the wall i like to think it's because maybe he's never noticed like he's never actually looked at someone going through that so he sees her transforming and that freaks him out like do i look like that oh my god (laughs) Ah, oh my god she looks horrible Ah. and we do have a little redemption arc with her character like uh we said when he goes back she's the only person from the future that remembers who he is because she hasn't been altered at all so um we do get a little redemption arc with her which i liked I, I like they didn't leave her just completely evil. They they did give, you know, and then at the very end, since he reset things anyway, we, we see her and she's not a bad person at all. <laughs> she's not corrupt no. or anything. She's, you know, um, and that's what it was but, also nice is a happy ending. I miss happy endings. <laughs> yeah. And not like that. Um, I miss happy endings for films. <laughs> we can take that. Either way, even in the realm of films, even in the realm of films, fade to white. No, um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I did. I also liked Gloria Rubin's character here. The the fight scene. Well, the before the fight scene, where they get into it at this again, mm-hmm. this you know chip processing plant or whatever. Um, JCVD fights a thug, and it's another kind of Terminator Two reference. Mm-hmm. The guy gets yeah. blasted by liquid nitrogen. And it freezes like part of his torso and his arm. And then Van Damme says, have a nice day. And then he kicks him and it shatters him and yeah. you know, whatever. Then he falls over again through glass. But I, like a second later, he runs into Ron Silver on this catwalk. And he's like, I should have said freeze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ron Silver's like, I think he got the message Switch either way. way. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love that kind of ba- that self-aware banter, but mm-hmm. they're both kind of like fucking with each other, but then they're going to fight to the death. And then yeah, Fielding shows up and she starts like punching Van Damme. He's like, I don't want to hit a woman. Yeah. And, he's, and she's like, then don't. And then she just goes like pummeling him. <laughs> and then she goes and for finally, a kick and then he, he stops her. Yeah. Yeah, I changed then, my mind. She, right. Yeah. But it's like that. The whole. I, I like that. Yes. Aside from the gratuitous nudity and the idea of like the, the wife is going to get held up, you know, hostage by the bad guy. They do get some, dare I say, you know, progressive uh, <laughs> uh, leanings for the female characters in this movie. The, the where I draw the line, though, the ridiculousness of it is at the end 
there's a scene where it's raining. Uh, you've got a bad guy up on top of the roof. JCVD is hanging on to the gutter of the house. <laughs> hanging on to him is Mia Sarah. Hanging on perfectly to this gutter that's made of vibranium, I swear to God. And at one point, she lifts up this heavy-ass gun. She's hanging on to his pants. She grabs this heavy-ass gun, aims it, shoots it, like no recoil, up, you know, blasts the bad guy several times through this, you know, the roof. It's, and then he falls down. It's, it's a future and... gun. It's a future no. gun. There's no recoil on it. It's a future gun. But this thing also weighs. It's about a super. As much as it's JCVD. a. It's a future gun. It's not a heavy gun at all. It's a future gun. It's future. She gets to shoot the bad guy. Come on. That also sounds like the name of a John Claude Van Damme movie. Future gun. <laughs> future gun. <laughs> I watched the hell out of that. That's a spinoff of Time Cop. It's Future Gun. There you go. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Now we're talking, right? <laughs> yeah. I dig it. I oh, I also like the, the the giant wrench that he uses in that factory scene to like take out some of the henchmen. Like he gets one guy in the face, and another guy like breaks his hand in like two places. I just I imagine a time cop action figure, and it comes with like the future gun, and then a giant fucking wrench, wrench that's like half as tall as he is. <laughs> oh, I love that wrench. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's fun. You know, it's. It's interesting to see the evolution of action films where they went from the 80s to the mid 90s. And, and Time Cop is one of those films where you look at it and you go, they were trying to evolve the action film to be just a little bit more than muscle bound hero who you will never achieve that level of muscle. <laughs> Your average moviegoer is not going to reach that Arnold, you know, sly build. Um and that's your hero because he could do unbelievable feats to where we've gone to the John McClane's. And even here, I mean, Van Damme, he's got muscles. He's ripped. He is not, though, a very large individual, though, like, you know, your Sly and, and your, your Arnold's as far as even the way he's shot in this film. He's shot more of kind of more of the common man type of angle. And that's the way his character is, too. And I like that. And he's you also... Know? Yeah, and and you can almost see the the diehard, you know, John McClane mm. mold of the sensitive action right. hero, mm -hmm. you know, the reluctant, the kind of the code hero uh, mm. here, because like there's that really great scene where he Walker uh, runs into Melissa, I guess, at the house, mm -hmm. and she's like, "What am I like in the future?" And he says, because he doesn't want to lie to her, he, right. she kind of like keeps pushing him and he has to be a little mm -hmm. bit deceitful. But initially he says, you're just like you are now. Wow. Yeah. You're perfect. He says you're perfect. I'm like, that's because that's that he's carrying her, you know, in mm -hmm. his heart for this 10 years. And he's so happy to be back with her that he doesn't want to upset her or anything mm -hmm. like that. It's a beautiful little moment that, you know, you're not going to see in us in a Stallone film or a Schwarzenegger mm -hmm. movie. No, you don't. You've you've not seen that in those types of action films because mm. it, it was it was. Yeah. You know, that's just a different type of character. But uh, yeah, Time Cop. I dig this film. I've dug it since the first time I saw it. Um, it, it has. It's funny. It doesn't come up in as many circles as you might think, which is weird because it's it's definitely a decent 90s action film, I think. I can well. That's the thing is like for up until we reached the climax of the house, right? I kept thinking that that was running through my mind the entire like first hour of the movie. Like, 
why does nobody talk about this? Why was this forgotten? And then I, you know, then that the ending, yeah, yeah, that third act, like mm-hmm. eh, I kind of get it now. But also, there were a lot of these types of movies back yeah. then, and I could just see it getting swept up, like, oh god, it's another fucking John Claude Van Damme <laughs> movie. It's another sci-fi action film. Mm-hmm. I can just see it being kind of lost in the shuffle. But you know, maybe when it hits. 30 years old in you know a couple of years maybe it'll be rediscovered quick question about that laser disc is there an audio commentary on it no no there's no audio commentary on it i would all. love to so. hear that people who made this movie talk about it i would too i don't know if it's ever been released on a, a blu-ray with a commentary but i definitely would be interested as well in it um you know uh because well this was this was at the same year as street fighter so maybe that's why it got lost in the shuffle because I think uh, I'm not sure which one got released first. Let me look quick. So Street Fighter was Christmas. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. That when was, was this? That when was did a, this come out? That was a Christmas film. I think this was a summer film because I remember they were they promoted the shit out of this movie. I remember when it was coming up because I remember in the trailer constantly is the scene and that's why i made it the thumbnail for this episode was him doing the splits in the kitchen that was like in in every trailer for this movie uh they put that in and you could see why i mean it's a it's a wonderful stunt yeah september 16th so uh that explains it because 1994 was the summer of speed yeah forrest gump natural born killers uh and pulp fiction yeah, so 90... well, Natural Born Killers might have been 93, um, but yeah, there there was a lot of competition, it, you know. It, it so. got it got a lot more crowded, and uh, yeah, especially because um, Pulp Fiction, I remember uh, seeing it in a the theater. <laughs> Pulp Fiction came out a month later. Mm-hmm. It actually it is celebrating, wow, 20, oof, I feel old. Never mind, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to even do the math for that because that's going to hurt a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's who. Okay. So time clock though. Uh, time cop is time uh, clock. Time clock. <laughs> <laughs> the clock has ended for us uh, with a time cop. Um, uh, yeah. I he has a hand in setting things right. <laughs> Time clock. <laughs> Your time has come to an end. <laughs> yes, you could come we, up with all kinds. Another of one we got to write. Time we can, we got to message JCVD on Twitter and get him in on this. Get, shit. get him, get him to play return as time clock. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like you know. There you go, superhero time clock. <laughs> be alarmed. Be very be alarmed. alarmed. Time clock. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, you know what his gimmick would be? He he has the app and he has uh uh Google set a timer for him and within that time he fights and beats up the guy. He tries to beat up a guy within a certain amount of time. So, Mm-mm. you know, so like he comes out across the uh the, like the, you know, the uh foot soldiers, the basic your basic f- foot fodder and he'd be like, you know, 
set timer, not Google because it's branding, but whatever. He sets a little timer for 30 seconds and then he fights and he beats him up before 30 seconds, you know, because then you could do that gimmick to where he meets another guy and he says, oh, set a timer for a minute. But then he gets to like the big boss guy or like the henchman boss guy that that's, you know, the mini boss. And he goes, oh, better set timer for five minutes on this one. You know, and then starts. You could do a whole gimmick. Of who's who's setting this timer? And, he does. And is he he the, sets it himself. Is he, the, is he the time clock? Does like well, yeah. His put, partner have to like wind him up. No, no, he doesn't have a. He nipples? doesn't have a partner. He's got a little timer uh, either on his chest. You know, like where an S would be. It, it's a little LED, you know, high impact uh, clock that has a little timer on it. You know, unless there's something going on in those BVDs, in which would be <laughs> time cock. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a different movie that came out in the 90s okay uh there there were parodies like that even back then in the 90s and we're not going to talk about those anymore uh yeah so <laughs> I, I final thought is i'd recommend time cop i this is perfectly watchable action film uh from the 90s you know, outside of the, the two gratuitous things, the fuck sacks, and, uh, you know, the what other scene, uh, I didn't have a, really any problems with this. I th- it was a fun, it was a fun time. Yeah. I mean, I, it's one of those things where, like, I feel like I can't recommend it to anyone because they'll be like fucking time cop. Really? I'm like, yes. Watch time cop. Really? hundred percent. Yeah. If you're looking for just a fun, you know, if you don't want to go back to the full 90s retro or full 80s action film type of thing, you're looking for something, maybe a little bit of an upgrade. That's what Time Cop is. And it'll give you a, a feeling of how action films progressed, uh, you know, over the course of a decade from where they went to where they they eventually ended up. Um, and then they went into obscurity for a while. In all honesty, action films kind of faded to the direct-to-video market. But uh, I digress. Thank you so much. This is a great first episode of Hot Van Dam. We got some great stuff lined up uh, the rest of the month. We're going to be looking at Quest, the, the Quest, I should say, the, the one that's directed by Mr. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. So, oh I, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> Never watched that one before. Plus our Cannon Fodder episode more. So stay tuned for all of that, folks. Now, as always, it is my pleasure to give the license to shill to my guest. So please, Mr. Ian Simmons, uh, shill away. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, uh, movie reviews from the last guy anyone asks. You can find that at kickseat.com. I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, just search Kicking the Seat on YouTube. I do uh, interviews, video reviews, uh, lots of live streaming this month because it's October. It's scary season. Um, so Wednesdays, we're talking about What If, the the Marvel Disney show. Fridays, uh, all October long, we're doing a scarathon with uh, Aaron Christensen of Horror 101 with Dr. AC, raising money for the Albany Park Theater Project here in Chicago, um, talking about uh, scary movies each week. And Mark, I believe you're going to be joining us next friday uh yeah. right yeah not this coming yes. friday a week from friday yes because yes that's gonna be awesome we're gonna be two live streams in a week i love it <laughs> uh, but uh yeah so check us out there um also during october for those who care about such things um i'm also a visual graphic artist so i'm participating in inktober so you can check those drawings out at retchings that's w-r-e-t-c-h-i-n-g-s dot blogspot.com um yeah i'm doing a drawing every day for 31 days because i don't like myself 
<laughs> oh, but we really like your drawings. So yes, check out all that wonderful stuff. And if you're in so inclined, folks, and in the middle of Wisconsin, this coming weekend, when this uh, posts, we have the Sawdust City Fright Fest going on. Starts Friday evening, where we're playing Manos Hands of Fate free at the historic Time Community Theater in downtown Oshkosh. And then Saturday, we have two blocks of shorts, and we're finishing out the night with Manos Returns, directed by a friend of the Spoiler Room. She tried to be here tonight, but unfortunately, her schedule didn't work. Tanya Atomic directed uh, Manos Returns. Wonderful, fun sequel to Manos Hands of Fate, plus the two blocks of shorts. We're going to have a lot of great stuff. So if you're in the Wisconsin area, please stop by and come for the indie horror and stay for more indie horror. Um, I haven't thought <laughs> is that, is that should be on the yet. poster. So, yeah, <laughs> I haven't thought that out yet. So until then, folks, uh, we'll just say uh, good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. <laughs> you almost got away with it. I tried. <laughs> You have been listening to a Special Mark Productions production. If you're looking for even more Spoiler Room content, head on over to our Patreon.com slash Special Mark Productions site, where you can join one of our reasonably priced tiers and get access to even more exclusive content. Speaking of getting access, head on over to SpecialMarkProductions.com and click our new merchandise store link, which will take you to our store where you can get some of that sweet, sweet Spoiler Room merchandise and wear the logo of your favorite podcast. There's also Final Cut and Special Mark Productions merchandise as well. All kinds of things for all kinds of tastes. We thank you once again, and remember, in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies. <laughs>